This is Rabbi Falk speaking to you from Telstone and Eretz Yisrael, the home base of Nevetzion, on the Nevetzion podcast. Baruch Hashem, we have reconnected with the people in Chutzlarts, the people living in the States and in the diaspora, and we're both reading the same Parsha again this week. We'll both be reading Parsha's Dvarim. But I'm not going to speak about Parsha's Dvarim because we are just a few days before Tisha B'Av. I would like to say a few words about Tisha B'Av. How can we manage to feel the pain in our hearts of the Chorban? This is something the great Sadiqim had difficulty feeling. It's something that happened so long ago. It's something that we are so disconnected from. How are we supposed to feel that, Tsar? Rabbi, I'm going to tell you one of the most bizarre stories you ever heard in your life. You have to concentrate because this is a very intricate, difficult, fascinating story. I've told this story over a couple of times in the Veitzion. On the 23rd of March in 1994, the medical examiner viewed the body of Ronald Opus and concluded that he died from a shotgun wound of the head. The deceased had jumped from the top of a 10-story building intending to commit suicide. He left a note indicating this. As he fell past the ninth floor... His life was interrupted by a shotgun blast from a window which killed him instantly. Neither the shooter nor the deceased was aware that a safety net had been erected at the eighth floor level to protect some window washers and that Opus would not have been able to complete his suicide anyway because of the net. Ravoy said this man wanted to jump out of the window and commit suicide. But he would not have succeeded because it was a net on the eighth floor. But before he got to the eighth floor, out of a window from the ninth floor, there was a shot of a shotgun which killed Opus. Ordinarily, Dr. Mills continued a person who sets out to commit suicide and ultimately succeeds, even though the mechanism might not be what he intended. That Opus was shot on his way to certain death nine stories below probably would not have changed his mode of death from suicide to homicide. But the fact that his suicidal intent would not have been successful caused the medical examiner to feel he had homicide on his hands. The room on the ninth floor where the shotgun emanated from was occupied by an elderly man and his wife. They were arguing and he was threatening her with a shotgun. He was so upset that when he pulled the trigger, he completely missed his wife and the pellets went through the window, striking and killing Opus. When one intends to kill subject A, the old man intended to kill his, to, to shoot his wife, but kill subject B, he shot Opus through the window. In the, if one is guilty of the murder of subject B, when confronted with this charge, the old man and his wife were both adamant that neither knew that the shotgun was loaded. The old man said that it was his long-standing habit to threaten his wife with his unloaded shotgun. He had no intention to murder her. Therefore, the killing of Opus appeared to be an accident. That is, the gun had been accidentally loaded. The continuing investigation turned up, the wit- turned up a witness who saw the old couple's son loading the shotgun approximately six weeks prior to the fatal accident. It transpired that the old lady had cut off her son's financial support 
And the son, knowing that his father commonly threatened his mother with the shotgun and pulled the trigger, but the, the grandfather never loaded it. He knew that, his, that, the, that the, the father did this. And he knew he used it threateningly, loaded the gun with the expectation, the son loaded the gun with the expectation that his father would shoot his mother. The case now becomes one of murder on the part of the son for the death of Ronald Opus. Because the son loaded that gun when the, when the father picked it up and threatened the mother and pulled the trigger thinking there were no bullets there. But there were bullets. But the father did not intend to kill anybody. The only one intended to kill was the son. There was an exquisite twist. Further investigation revealed that the son, Ronald Opus, had become increasingly depressed over the failure of his attempt to engineer his mother's murder. This led him to jump off the 10-story building on March 23rd, only to be killed by a shotgun blast through a ninth-story window. The son was the one who had loaded the shotgun. And after six weeks, when the father had not shot the mother, he became so depressed that he jumped out of the window. The father picked up the shotgun and aimed it threateningly towards the mother, thinking it was unloaded. But the son had loaded it. And when the father shot the gun and the bullet went off and it went out through the window and killed the son who had loaded the shotgun. Crazy! The medical examiner closed the case as a suicide. Rabbi said, this is one of the craziest stories I ever saw. I don't know if it's true or not true, but there is a true lesson that we learn from this story. We see from this story that a person has no idea many times what the consequences of certain actions will be. The son never thought he was going to be killing himself with a bullet by loading it. He thought he was killing his mother. But you don't know what something can cause. Rabbi I want to tell you a meridic of word. Reb, Reb Ocean, the Yeshiva of Lakewood, quotes Reb Aaron Cutler in the Mishnah's Aaron. And he says a meridic of thing. He says, Reb Aaron says that all that befalls Klai Yisrael, any tzaras that happened to Klai Yisrael is connected to the Chorban. All of our suffering today is an offshoot of the Chorban. Klai Yisrael has gone through and continues to go through the most difficult situations. We've endured unimaginable suffering. Pogroms, Holocaust, personal suffering. Yet every calamity, Every tzara, every disease that we experience is an outgrowth of the Chorban Beis Hamikdash. He brings in Meyudik Medrash. The Medrash says that Rabban Gamliel, there was the story of the Rabban Gamliel. The Medrash says that a woman who lived next door to Rabban Gamliel lost a young child. Night after night, Rabban Gamliel heard her weeping bitter tears over her loss. When he overheard his cries, when he overheard her cries, it reminded him of the Chorban Beis Hamikdash, and he cried with her over the Chorban until his eyelashes fell out. What is going on in this medrash? There are two very obvious questions. First of all, throughout the generations, Sadikim have always mourned Yerushalayim 
So why did the holy Rabban Gamliel, the Tana, need the cries of his neighbor to remind him to mourn over the Beis HaMikdash? Secondly, she was crying over the loss of her son. Rabban Gamliel was crying over the Beis HaMikdash. How can the Medrash say that Rabban Gamliel cried with her? They were crying about two separate things. She was crying over the loss of her son. Rabban Gamliel cried over the Chorban Beis HaMikdash. The Pshat is... He understood that there's no such thing as an individual suffering. Every person's private suffering is a continuation of the Chorban. Therefore, he was indeed crying with her because he understood that her loss was because of the Chorban. Rabbi Sai, all of the tsaris that we have, all the difficulties, all the challenges, it all, its root is from the Chorban Beis HaMikdosh, from what we lost when the Beis HaMikdosh was destroyed. We lost that clarity, we lost that connection, we lost that Hashras HaShchina that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is with us all the time. All of the Tzaras, all of the Pagrams, the Holocaust, it's all a continuation of the Chorban Beis HaMikdosh that we lack that closeness. That Hashras HaShchina of HaKadosh Baruch Hu with us. If we had that, we wouldn't be suffering from all the, the stakes and the doubts and the difficulties and the tsaras that we have today. The Chorban based Hamikdash was not something that happened thousands of years ago. The Chorban based Hamikdash is something that we feel the ramifications every single day of our lives. That disconnect, that lack of, of, of Kedush and Tahara, that lack of closeness to a Kodesh Baruch Hu, that, that inability to walk into the base Hamikdash and to see Nisim Gluyim. That clarity, that nevuah, the Ruach HaKodesh, all of those things are the causes for all of the tsaras that we have today. Rabbi Sai, on Tisha B'Av, we have so much, so much to mourn for. Not just the past, but the present. And Chas V'Shalom, if we don't mourn, and we don't feel that, so then we're not zeichet to be part of the building of the Beis HaMikdosh, the rebuilding of the Beis HaMikdosh. But when we do, we, like we said, if a person is misabel, doesn't see in the future you will see the Simcha of the Bindim Beis HaMikdosh. But you see it right now. You reconnect to HaKadosh Baruch you bring a little bit of that Shoraz HaShchina down. You place one of the stones of the foundation of the Beis HaMikdosh. When we're misabel, we feel that loss. Rabbi Sai, we should be zaycha to be misabo from the bottoms of our hearts on Tishabov, and we should be zaycha to raya besimchosom.